Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Read again one of the very familiar passages of Scripture that probably you know by heart, but let's turn and read it as we deal with the subject of whose son is he? Whose son is he? Matthew chapter 1 at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let us unite together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this season of the year when our minds and hearts are turned toward you, your birth in that lowly manger in Bethlehem, and all the pageantry that we have developed to commemorate and celebrate that most marvelous time. But we thank you most of all because you came as our Savior and our Lord. We thank you that you have loved us in your birth, in your life, and in your death. And now you love us in eternity. Thank you, Lord, for this fine congregation of people who come to praise your name today and celebrate this time of festivity and joy and gladness. And as friends and families gather together for home celebrations, may we never forget that it is your birth that must be the center of our thoughts and our actions. As we give to each other, may we use this only as a means of giving to you, that your name would be glorified and honored in this season of the year. And through Christ our Redeemer we pray. Amen. 
I'm going to turn over the 22nd chapter of Matthew for the text. A question that Jesus asked the Pharisees in chapter 22 and verse 42. And I'll refer to this a little bit later in the message, but looking at this particular verse, verse 41 says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asks them, saying, and here's the text, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said unto him, the son of David. Whose son is he? You know, there are some uh, interesting births recorded in the scripture. And perhaps you have experienced some interesting ones or know about some in your life. But three that I would particularly like to mention, and then the fourth that we shall dwell upon this morning. First of all, there is the birth of, that Sarah had, of Isaac. And you remember that Abraham was an old man. At the time that an angel spoke to him and told him that he would be the father of a great nation, he had no children and he was... 90 years old. His wife was 80. Ten years go by and finally they have a child when Sarah is, Sarah is 90 years old and Abraham is 100. You talk about conversation piece. If anybody in this community would have a child at 100 for the man and 90 for his wife, we certainly would recognize that as quite a phenomenon. There was Hannah who had no children. She wanted children desperately. She prayed to God and God heard her prayer and she bore Samuel. There was Elizabeth, a kinsperson to Mary who was getting on in years, and she had no children. And the Lord said to Elizabeth and her husband that they would bear a son, and they would call his name John, who became that great individual in the scripture that we know of as John the Baptist. Two of these women... Well, all of them. Two, uh, two of them were old. Uh, all of them were barren. Quite a phenomenon. But the one that calls our attention today is not an elderly lady who bears a child or one who is barren, but a very young girl. Probably not much more than 16 or 17. Who is married to a man by the name of Joseph, who's some years older. You remember the requirement in Hebrew days was that they would be betrothed or engaged for a year before they actually lived together. The scripture tells us in the passage that I read that Joseph was her husband, meaning that they were indeed married, but they could not live together as husband and wife for a year. 
It is during this period of time when they actually are married, but could not live together as husband and wife, that this teenage girl discovers that she is pregnant. You remember the story how an angel appeared unto her and said that she would be pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And the child that she was to bear would be the Savior of the world. She doesn't tell anybody this story, but leaves home and goes to spend some time with Elizabeth and confides in her as to this experience that she has had and that she is to be the mother of the Christ child. When she returns home, it is quite obvious that she is pregnant. This creates quite a dilemma for the young girl and for her husband. Because it would have been a tremendous disgrace and the law would have required that both of them, and particularly the girl, would be stoned to death if there was an illegitimate birth. The times had softened somewhat in that the legal authorities did not assume the responsibility of carrying out this execution but the subject was discussed well in the community by every family. When Mary returned and at supper time that evening and in hushed tones where the children could not hear, the husbands and wives began to talk about this young girl. What would Joseph possibly do now that he has discovered that his wife is pregnant Whose child is it anyway? Does it belong to Joseph? Or did she become pregnant while she was away from home, living with Elizabeth for about six months? The story of a young girl becoming pregnant becomes the focal point of Christianity. A point that would normally be considered a disgraceful thing. A subject to be talk about, talked about behind closed doors, never to be approached publicly, becomes the center of our faith. There are five things that I think we need to say about this child that she is about to bear. One is... We know well that the child did not have an earthly father. She was a virgin and was to give birth to a child as a virgin. And so we have the virgin birth. This child, when he grew up, died upon a cross. We believe to atone for our sins to die for us in order that we might have eternal life. We believe also that when they put him in the grave that he did not stay there, but that he came forth out of the grave in that marvelous resurrection. We believe that he ascended into heaven and that someday this same one 
is coming again. Five phenomenal events in the life of one person. And they must all be believed or all rejected. For to reject any one of those things is to reject the very person that we, we talk about and claim to be our Savior. We must believe that he was born of a virgin, that he did not have an earthly father. For him to have an earthly father would make him no better nor no greater than just any other man in this world. For him to have died on that cross, many people have done that. Were he not the Son of God, his death on the cross would have had no value. And when he went to the grave, his body would have stayed there were there not something phenomenal about him. He came out of the grave because he was God. And he ascended back to his Father. And we believe in the promise that he has given us that someday he will come again. All on one person, one baby, that is about to be born in Bethlehem. So the question that was asked by all the people in the community, who's the father, is the question we ask today. Jesus said to the Pharisees, what do you think about this person? Whose son is he? On one occasion, Jesus established with his disciples, sitting around perhaps a fire in the evening time, Jesus said to them, what are people saying about me? Who am I? And they said, oh, they say that you're one of the prophets that's come back to life, or you might even be John the Baptist that has come back to life. And then he said very pointedly to them, but who do you say I am? Peter, being the spokesman for the group, responded, I think perhaps without thinking too far, when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who is this person that we honor on Christmas? I wonder who he is to all the unsaved of this world that we have rubbed elbows with all week long as you've gone out doing your shopping. I finally did a little of it yesterday. I always depend upon Cricket to do the shopping. I only buy one gift. She buys all the rest. But I begin to sweat it. And so as we sat there yesterday in the hospital room, I was there early, and she said, ah, I know I'm not going to get out till afternoon. Why don't you go do the Christmas shopping? And that's what I did. And let me tell you, I did it in a hurry. In two hours, I had it all done. <laughs> had she been doing it, it would have been two months, I suppose. But as I went through those crowds in the, the mall in Parkersburg, in this case, Everybody buying, and as I've listened to people talk, they sit in the restaurant all week long with people, and the conversation is, is about what is being purchased for Christmas. And as I listen to people whom I know do not believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, who are buying presents for people, what do they think? Whose son is this that has brought this entire season about? 
And I think it's important for us to realize that as we buy presents for each other, that it is not for me that you gave this gift. It is not for me that I will receive other things, or for you that you will get, and for my children when I give, and so on, that we're not doing it to honor them. We're doing it to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do it to bless other people. For Jesus said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it to me. Don't think of the giving of our gifts as giving to somebody. Think of it as giving to the Christ child. And we honor him through honoring each other. And if we do that, I think our giving is meaningful and honorable and respectful. If we do it only because we know we're going to get something back, we have lost who Jesus is. He's our Savior. I think the little story that's in the bulletin this morning that Doran placed there is, is very pointed and if you haven't read it, you ought to do so before the day's over. All right, here is the young girl. Espoused, meaning married, but not living together to a man who is her husband. But they have never had any kind of husband and wife relationships. And Joseph has a dilemma. What am I going to do about it? My wife is pregnant and the child's not mine. Divorce seems to be the only way out. He could not honorably in his own mind, he could not go ahead and accept her as his wife. For she had already been unfaithful. And they hadn't even lived together yet. This disturbed him. We place so much emphasis upon Mary and her episode that sometimes we overlook Joseph and the problems that he was going through with. Jesus almost grew up in a broken home and would have had God not intervened. For Joseph deliberated the subject, considered it. He'd heard the talk of the town, and what was he going to do? The thing that I notice that I believe is very, very important, and that is that this man did not make a very quick decision, but he mauled it over. And his interest was in protecting the reputation of his wife, of Mary. That was his interest. He was not feeling personally distraught, personally hurt, as much as he was feeling for her. Now, I think husbands and wives can learn a lesson here that's very important for us that Joseph can teach us. There is no problem that we face. But what if we would 
consider our husband or our wife of more value and more importance than we consider our own feelings, a lot of the situations that we face would not be so insurmountable. Joseph teaches us a tremendous lesson about life and how to handle our problems. He was to the point that he could see no way out except to divorce her. But before he decided to do that, he considered very, very carefully and weighed the consequences. And his concern is, if I divorce Mary, what will that do to her? Not, what will it do to me? When we face our problems, I think there is a certain way that we ought to go about it as Christian people. May I hastily say, without wanting to, to uh, dwell upon it, because that's not the point of the message, that sometimes the divorce process is the only solution. But in this particular case, as he began to consider it, number one, he was very slow in making his decision. Secondly, he prayed earnestly about the problem. He prayed. Let me tell you, if you've got a problem, if I have a problem, the first thing we ought to be thinking about is praying about it. And most times we make our decisions without bringing God into the picture. No wonder we're a mixed up generation. No wonder we have difficulties with, with rearing children and with uh, husband and wife relationships and with problems at work and on and on we go because oftentimes when we face the situation we number one make a rash decision quickly and we don't confer with God as to what he would like to have us do about it. The question that we need to ask is what does the Lord want in our situation? What does the Lord want? And as Joseph deliberated and prayed, God gave him his answer. And his answer was different than Joseph was contemplating. And God said to Joseph in a dream, and by the way, when the angel spoke to Mary, it was on one-to-one. -one. When, the, when the angel spoke to Joseph, it was through a dream. I don't know why there's any particular importance to that, but I've noticed that as I've, uh, particularly as I studied to prepare for this message. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said something to Joseph. I believe earnestly that God will answer us when we pray if we are in tune to hear what he's got to say. Had Joseph been so wrought up in his concern for the problem that he could not have heard, even though God had shouted loudly, he would have gone ahead with the divorce. But Joseph was in tune to God. Now let me say something. I believe this earnestly. 
The times that I've had my real problems in life are the times that I haven't been in tune with God. And I think you're going to have to say the same thing. When you've got difficulties that you can't overcome, it's because there's some lack of entunement, if that's a good word, to God. Joseph was in tune. Joseph prayed. And God heard. And God answered. And there was no question then in Joseph's mind as to what he ought to do. He had his answer. So what did he do? They went ahead and completed the marriage. They had the wedding ceremony that they would have at that point in time. They had the banquet, and it would have been meager perhaps in their case because they were poor. They would have had the family in to celebrate it, and they became a couple now living together. But notice the honorableness of Joseph in that he left his wife a virgin in order that the scripture might be fulfilled and completed, that it was indeed a birth of a virgin. A baby born with a divine mission. And I think the same thing is true of every child born of Christian parents, that God has a plan. And if we're in tune, we'll know what that plan is. Mary knew, Joseph knew, that the baby that was to be born was coming in this world to save me. And to save you. That was his mission. And had I been the only person in this world, or had you been the only person in this world, he would still have come, and would have had to have come the same way. There was no other way that even one person in this world could be saved. Not even one, except that Jesus would have to come and die on the cross. And here is his beginning. Now you talk about marriages made in heaven. This had to be one. I've heard that statement stated many times. And I have conducted some marriages that that probably was said about, and I probably said it myself. If there was ever a marriage made in heaven, this had to be one, only to discover it didn't last too long. Because it wasn't made there. A marriage made on earth between two people will be on the rocks quickly. A marriage that God blesses is a marriage of people who both believe in and trust in and are in tune to God. And here was a husband and his wife, Mary and Joseph, who were in tune to God. Most times couples seek out each other. Sometimes God seeks out the couples and puts them together. And this is certainly one of them. And although God was very careful in his selection of Mary, that she would be the ideal mother of his own child, I think God was just as careful in the selection of Joseph to be the stepfather, to be the one who would rear 
this child that was about to be born. This is quite a day. Next Sunday we will celebrate the, the birth of our Savior. Who was not born in royalty, but born in absolute poverty. Because it is not through position in life that he becomes our Savior. It's because he was the divine Son of God. Given and entrusted to a young girl and her husband to bring the Savior into the world that we might honor him during this Christmas season. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.